This is Endourology Soundbites, a new podcast series from the publisher of the Journal of Endourology and Video Urology, in cooperation with the Endourological Society. This series is brought to you by Richard Wolf, a global leader in endoscopy since 1906. Richard Wolf delivers solutions that are improving patient outcomes and shaping the future of minimally invasive surgery. For more information, please visit richardwolfusa.com. Hello, this is Brian Metlaga, the Associate Director of Education for the Endourological Society. I would like to welcome you to this month's edition of Soundbites, the Endourological Society's podcast series sponsored by Richard Wolf. This month, we look forward to listening to Dr. Bhaskar Samani discussing new insights into surgical management of kidney stones. Hello, my name is Bhaskar Samani, and I'm an Associate Professor and Consultant Urologist in University Hospital Southampton in UK. Over the last decade, there's been a steep rise in the new minimally invasive therapies for BPH. This includes bipolar TORP, laser for BPH surgery with chromium, green light, and thallium laser, and other treatments like water vapor therapy, urolift, aquabulation, and prostate artery embolization. Here I will talk about water vapor therapy, also called as resume, urolift, aquabulation, and prostate artery embolization, or PAE, in more detail with advantages and disadvantages of each of these techniques. BPH treatment should be based on patient age, prostate size, patient compliance, available surgical skill and expertise, and finally, the cost of treatment, which can be especially important in certain healthcare systems. Lower urinary tract symptoms need to be assessed with urophometry, post by dressidol and other parameters such as the PSA blood test and digital rectal examination. It is also recommended for patients to complete a symptom questionnaire and its effect on their quality of life. In some scenarios, they should undergo a bladder pressure study and abdominal or transrectal ultrasound scan and cystoscopy. Once these symptoms have been assessed and the patient is found suitable for a given surgical treatment, the choice of treatment depends on the local expertise, patient suitability, and their expectations for a given procedure. Now, the recent AUA guidelines suggest surgical treatment, and they have used an algorithm based on the size of the prostate. So, for example, for large prostate, they suggest enucleation with homium or thallium laser, although simple prostatectomy also remains an option. For the average size prostate, so less than about 80 grams, apart from laser treatment, it is also recommended that the choice would be a TURP or Urolift or water vapor thermal therapy. And apart from these options, which also fit for smaller prostates, the other treatment option for a small prostate would be a transurethral incision of prostate, especially for those prostates under 30 grams. So starting with water vapor therapy or resume, now this uses the heat from radiofrequency generated water vapor to ablate excess prostate tissue with the aim of relieving symptoms. The mechanism of action uses the principles of convective heat transfer that exploits the thermodynamic properties of water. Now, the technology consists of a portable generator and a single-use disposable delivery device. Now, this device is introduced into the body through the urethra and is guided to the prostate using a telescopic lens, which is placed within the device itself. The water vapor is delivered through a retractable vapor needle via emitter holes in the transurethral device. 
Now, this is usually done in nine-second bursts to the transition zone where through convection, it diffuses evenly through the target tissue. The depth of needle usually is approximately 10 millimeters, and when it, when it contacts the body temperature tissue, the water vapor condenses, this leads to a phase shift, and eventually it triggers cell necrosis. Overlapping injections can be used for larger prostate or repeat applications for areas of uh, hypertrophy. Saline flush irrigation is used both to cool the urethra and to promote good vision. I think the whole procedure probably lasts up to 20 minutes, and it can be done as a day-case surgery. It is indicated for treating prostates with median lobe or elevated central zone and volume greater than 30 grams. Now, resin differs, or water vapor therapy differs from other prostate ablation techniques because it uses thermal energy, but it can be done as a day-case procedure with a strong safety profile. And while the procedure time is short, there are no reports of sexual dysfunction so far. The disadvantage, of course, is its untreatability for large prostates or those with recurrent urinary infections, or for patients who have had previous invasive procedures for the prostate. About 50% of patients need a catheter. Uh, however, there is no histology for analysis. Now, the second procedure we'll discuss is Urolift or Prosthetic Urolift or PUL. And this has emerged as a minimally invasive non-ablative surgical technique. And really, the approach is of mechanical destruction of the lateral lobes. Again, it's carried out in lithotomy position under cystoscopic guidance with deployment of adjustable implants that serve to retract the obstructing lateral lobe and create an open voiding channel through a prosthetic fossa. The device itself is custom designed to have disposable cartridge consisting of a mitonol capsular tab and urethral stainless steel tab. And in between, there is a bridge of non-absorbable polyethylene tetraphenylate monofilament suture. So when you deploy it, the initial deployment is about one and a half centimeter distal to the bladder neck, with the medial part which is kept parallel to the bladder neck. The second deployment is just anterior to the verimentanum, and in, in between these two, you can have additional implants depending on the size of the prostate. And this usually varies between two and ten uh, additional implants. They're typically placed at two o'clock and ten o'clock positions, uh, and at least one and a half centimeter distal to the bladder neck, so as to preserve the integrity of bladder neck. Now, this again is tissue sparing method, which allows expansion of urethral lumen mechanically, and you know potentially preserving the neurovascular bundles. It is again performed as a general or spinal or local anesthetic in a day case setting. The advantage clearly is that it's a day case catheter-free procedure uh, with a short learning curve and it preserves sexual function. Uh, equally, the disadvantage is that it's not suitable for large prostates or big median lobes or previous urinary retention. And it can be technically challenging, actually, in patients with high bladder neck. Now, coming to the third technique, which is aquablation, this uses high-pressure saline to remove parenchymal tissue through a heat-free mechanism of hydrodissection. It is an ultrasound-guided, robotically-delivered treatment. The aquabin system itself is made of three elements, the conformal planning unit, the robotic handpiece, and a console. Once the patient is in the dorsal lithotomy position, under a general or spinal anesthesia, the biplanar transverse ultrasound device is mounted into position. The bladder is then accessed using the 24 French handpiece, which accommodates the scope. This can be stabilized using something like an articulating arm. 
Once the optimal position is confirmed, the software is then activated to adjust the alignment. The mapping is then done, and the required depth, the maximum depth is about 25 millimeters, and the angle, the maximum is about 225 degrees. And, and the depth and angle of reception is then formally planned out. Once the planning is completed, high-velocity physiological saline can be applied by the console pump, which is under the control of surgeon's foot pedal. The jet is released at right angle to the handpiece, and the flow can be altered, so, as, so, so can the depth of penetration be. Usually, the reception time is quite short, under 10 minutes, and once it's complete, the rollerball or loop diatomy can be done to the fossa. After the procedure, a three-way catheter is inserted and bladder irrigation is commenced and patients discharged the following day after catheter removal. Now, the advantage of aquablation is a short procedure in resection time and preservation of sexual function. And although there is no thermal damage, histology specimen is available, which is different to most other newly available techniques. The disadvantage is that it's not for large prostates or median lobe or with previous urinary retention. It does require general anesthesia and inpatient stay, and the data is only from limited centers currently. The last technique I'll talk about is prostate artery embolization. Now, this aims to achieve target ischemia of prostate using catheter-directed particulate microembolic agents, which is injected into the prostate artery under fluoroscopic guidance, and the, the access is from peripheral artery. So this leads to ischemia and tissue infarction, and which is the main mechanism of action. Although it has been proposed that androgen deprivation and as well as denervation might play a role in reducing the prosthetic urethral constriction. The workup for PAE includes a CT angiography for the prosthetic vessels. Because the prostate arterial supply is variable, you need to plan this. Also, you can look at unwanted collateral to the bladder, rectum, or penis because you have to preserve uh, and avoid any non-target embolization. For patients who have got excessive vessel toxicity or atherosclerosis, they may not be suitable. The procedure itself is then carried out under local anesthetic through right groin puncture using right femoral artery, and selective embolization is performed using either hydrophilic microcatheters or polyvinyl alcohol with the idea of having near stasis in the prostate vessels, which is shown as prostate gland opacification. Now, the patient selection for this is usually done in a multidisciplinary manner in conjunction with urologists and interventional radiologists because they perform the procedure in most cases. The prostate embolization, again, is a day-case procedure performed in angiography suite with a technical success in the order of 90-95%, and bilateral embolization can be done and has been reported in between 80 and 100% of cases. In fact, there are some studies that say that patients with prostate volume greater than 80 grams or those who are not suitable for TURP would be good candidates for this, although the size argument has been challenged. Uh, but it is generally agreed that larger prostates or large median lobes are more beneficial uh, with PAE. And due to its low complication rate, one of the other thought processes is you can do a PAE before performing a large TURP, so the PA reduces the size of the gland and then a TURP can subsequently be done. There's no effect on sexual function. It's a local anesthetic catheter-free day-case procedure. The disadvantage is that it's probably not suitable for small prostates or patients with poor renal function, and there is no histology, and you have to remember that there are radiation doses associated with this procedure. 
So overall, there's a shift in treatment for BPH to more minimally invasive techniques, which have partly been driven by innovation and partly by cost-effectiveness of modalities with more office-based treatments now available. There is, however, a lack of comparative studies with the newer minimally invasive treatments, and although they all have good short-term data and preserve sexual function, there's a lack of long-term data on reoperation rates and uh, long-term complications. But I feel as more minimally invasive office-based technologies emerge, surgeons and patients will have the ability to choose a treatment that is more catered to patient expectations. Although recent studies have shown, you know, a better long-term cost-effectiveness of surgical treatment compared to medical treatment, I think there is a risk of offering these new techniques to patients at a much earlier stage in their symptom journey, perhaps when the symptoms are not quite so bad. And only time will tell whether they replace medical management for BPH, given the ease of use and convenience for the patients. Thank you.